Hello and welcome to this is only the second episode of Rabbitcast. Um, I wanted to do these more frequently. Um, Double media obviously is a great reason to try to squeak this in, but um, just with adulting and stuff, uh, things have gotten a little time consuming. Uh, just to give a mini quick wrap, this will totally be about pro experience baseball, uh, but just you know from ab absences, I've had a bit of a job change lately, so it's been going from working a bunch of 12-hour shifts to all of a sudden working the typical 9 to 5, which has been a bit difficult to do because I'm not used to it. Um, so it's been just trying to balance that plus, um, you know, just general adulting stuff. You know, we do own a house and anyone who owns property knows that it's a never-ending battle um, between us fixing the deck, ripping off the stairs that led down to the yard because uh, they were super leany, uh, fire pit, uh, right now, I'm battling a bunch of wasps in the side of the house. Luckily, they're not in the house, but uh, swarming on the outside. Um, and then, obviously, with COVID, trying to get a hold of pest control has been uh, not great. So, yeah, just been busy doing that stuff. But uh, enough about me. Uh, how are you? Good, I hope. Um, I saw I only had seven listeners, I think, on my last podcast. So, it's a bit disappointing. Hopefully, we can pick that number up. Uh, get some more people listening to this. I, I got to deliver content more regularly, right? So in keeping with the theme of the double podcast, uh, let's have a look at what we're looking at heading into this season. Um, so this is now the second season of the brand new expansion teams, the Sea Serpents and the Surge. And for the first time in expansion history, um, well, you know, that's... Was it the Rugurus and Stars at the same time? I think it was. I'm not sure. Memory's failing me right now. But generally, when we have expansion teams, we have one that kind of like goes for it, and then another one which uh, will go immediately rebuild. We kind of had that with the Sea Serpents kind of taking some players at first, but they quickly kind of dropped that and went straight for the rebuild. So now both of them are rebuilding, uh, sitting at the bottom of their respective conferences and divisions. Um, which, you know, is expected and uh, they're kind of plugging away here. So what I did to help kind of, you know, make this more clear for myself is uh, bust it open uh, out of the park, uh, fix the um, kind of lineups and stuff like that, and ran a bunch of season sims here to see what we got. Doug is apparently wanting to talk and tell us everything as well. Doug? Anyways, um, I'm also kind of eating breakfast here, so sorry about that. So, after running 100 season sims, this is what we're kind of looking at as a preview for the season. So, to no one's surprise, on average, the Aviators top their division for the Legends East. Um, keep in mind that... Um, with the 100 season sims, it's just kind of taking an average of everything. So, you know, I, I if you run a bunch of single season sims like I have after this, I've, you know, just to see how my own player does, I've had a single season sim where Bongo has like a minus, I think it's like a minus four or five war again, despite getting better this offseason. But then I had one where he hit like two war, the next one, which is insane. Um, but that kind of gives you the range. Like, there is randomness to the sim. To run 
kind of the hundred seasons in like I have here, it's just a law of averages, right? That this person on average will do this, but we've seen where players will have like a season like we just had where Tom Shue wins a triple crown, but then, you know, the next season, maybe he's only going to bat three war, right? On average, he might do really well. Just, you know, the sim does have that randomness factor up and down. But if we do this 100 season sim, it still gives us at least a decent idea how things are going to go, right? Um, you know, Outer Banks is averaging more wins than New York right now, from what I've seen, right? 72 to 67, okay? That doesn't mean the Voyagers can't still win the division. Um, maybe they get on a hot streak. Maybe they go on a cold streak, et cetera, et cetera. Th- again, law of averages. Um, I think it's pretty safe to say, when you do look at it, though, Right? There's only a five-win separation between them, which we all know can be made up very easily in the sim. In the case of Providence and Buffalo, uh, Providence is averaging currently right now 49 wins. So that's uh, a full, what's that, 17 or 18 behind the Voyagers. So I think it's pretty safe to say that I doubt the sim's going to go that crazy that we're going to watch Providence make the playoffs, right? Uh, that's just for someone to take this podcast, link it, and say... You know, oh, rabid, you said it's like, you know what? I could be wrong. I really could. It, it does some wild things sometimes. Um, but it's pretty safe to assume that things are going to shake out the way they are. Um, but yeah, so if you look at the Legends East, we've got Aviators on top, New York, then Providence, and Buffalo. So Buffalo is quite a good distance behind Providence as well uh, 49 wins average versus 36. Um, and the one thing I can see here definitely is, uh, it looks like the aviators on average have a better offense and defense than everyone. Cause sometimes you might have a team like the Voyagers who actually score more runs, um, but then aren't quite as good as defending, right? Which can go either way. Um, but I mean, Providence actually surprisingly has an ERA projected of, uh, 4.11 which is really good considering the aviators are averaging 3.76. So Providence has some pretty decent defense. Uh, it's pretty clear once you see the run totals, uh, 416 um, versus the other teams having over 600, they are lacking in the offensive kind of categories. Uh, Buffalo actually outscores them on average, but the amount of runs they give up is insane with 714. So Buffalo, like... If they're going to win games, I bet you they're close ones most of the time. They're not going to have too many blowouts because that differential between runs for and against um, is pretty big. That's that's massive. Um, throw in the fact, too, that uh, Buffalo's right up there with average strikeouts, 807. Most of the other teams are, you know, they're about 800. Uh, Aviators are almost at 1,000, uh, so they definitely have the bigger punch-out power. Uh, but Buffalo is slated to walk over 530 batters. So that's probably not going to help too much. Uh, taking a look at the Legends West, uh, Boise, surprisingly, in my tests, are actually going to overtake the Sloss. Um, Sloss just seem to never have to rebuild. They just go to retool phases. I mean, you got to give the props them for that. It's just um, they, like, dip down to, like, maybe 45 wins is like a low point for them. And then all of a sudden they're back into the playoffs. So um, it's crazy. It's like uh, that Austin Powers scene where he falls out of the window and he's just like, why won't you die? 
it's kind of San Antonio um, when people are stuck in the same division uh, and conference as them. But uh, again, it's a five-win difference. So really Outer Banks, New York, Boise, and San Antonio are really in the same lump for me, right? So the Aviators average 10 more wins than the Sloss, which means, right, I think it's a pretty safe assumption that I could see the Aviators finishing above them regardless of what happens. Um, but with Boise and New York being so close to the Aviators, right, that five-win window, um, like, it could it could move and shuffle. So as far as saying who's going to finish at the top of the Legends Conference, I couldn't tell you. Um, it's going to be a three-way fight between the Aviators, Voyagers, and Raptors. Um, the Sloss, I think, will be in it. But just on law of averages here from what we can see, they will be close, but I don't think um, they'll probably take either first uh, in their division or the conference. Division could be close. It could be close. Um, the biggest thing when you look at the Sloths in Boise, um, you know, from the numbers, is the Sloths have a actually really good defense. Um, they have projected the best defense in the East uh, only allowing 420 runs um, in an ERA of 3.66. They've almost got 1,000 strikeouts, and they're only allowing 320 walks. Um, they actually hit quite a few home runs, 142, which is third out of the eight teams. Um, and something that you never used to see for the Sloss, which is stolen bases, they actually um, look like they are going to be quite up there for that, uh, 126 on average. So... Um, breaking some records, I'm sure, for the team there. Uh, their biggest problem, which uh, I think for them is weird, is their offense. Their offense looks like it is going to be lacking when you compare those top four teams. Only over 500 runs. So I think for them, there's going to be a lot of close games as well. You know, kind of, I was saying with the Surge, but I think the Surge are going to have to win close games. They're not going to have many blowout games, that's for sure, like in their favor. Um, but the Sloss, I think, will win a lot of, like, you know, close run games that are only separated by one or two runs. Um, that's kind of the projection we're looking. The Vandals have taken a huge step back. Um, they're not even looking to average more than 50 wins. Again, they could because we we know how OOTP can work sometimes. But I think it's safe to say they will be out of the playoff race. And Maui still struggling. They're actually projected to finish below Buffalo. Um, in my couple tests I've had, uh, single tests, I think one, they did finish above them. So again, you know, averages here, people. Um, but they are looking to be slated to essentially be looking to the draft again um, at the end of the season rather than the season itself. Uh, it's not to say they're not going to make improvements and stuff, but um, at least in the Legends Conference, they're the only team that's projected to score less than 400 runs. Um, their defense is better than Buffalo. Um, Buffalo slated for that 714, but Maui's only 641 with an ERA of 5.74. Um, but they have no punch out power. Their, their pitchers are not striking anyone out in comparison. And they are walking a lot of batters as well. So I think we can call it... I, th I think the four playoff teams are a lock, right? Outer Banks, New York, Boise, and San Antonio. I think you can lock those in. Which order the teams are going to finish in, um, I think Outer Banks will finish top 
three for sure, and Sloss won't finish first. Okay, this is again just based on averages. I could totally eat my words here in a couple weeks, but that's what the tests are telling me. Um, as we move on, we can look on to some of the projections for the hitters and pitchers. So, as far as I can see, uh, if we have a look at average, uh, Linus Riverboat for OBX um, is actually slated to uh, average out the best average over the season. Um, no surprise, number two is San Antonio with a, what is it here? A ridiculous 425 OBP. Uh, to give you an idea, the next closest person is uh, Rusty Knutz, who is 407. Um, there's actually only three players that are slated to be over 400 OBP, and that's Antonio, uh, Kuntz, and Shu. We just talked about our boy Shu. Um, just a quick aside. Um, I kind of worked, I took the numbers and I worked it out for MLB, and we seem semi-consistent, but I swear I feel like the home run modifier for this league has been, like, just pushed way down from what we used to have. Um, because for both conferences, I, the top home run getter is slated to do 28 and that's it. Like we're 108 games. Like, could we not, like, should we not have people that are probably at least hitting maybe 35? Like, it seems weird. I'm not saying, you know, bump the ERA and the average across the league here, but like that, that just seems weird that I guess the home runs are so low for me. Um, in comparison to what they kind of used to be at times. Anyways, um, but yeah, so our, our people who are slated on average hit over 300 are Riverboat, Antonio, uh, Drakenberg, Dub City, Shu, and Kuntz. So if, quick, um, and then actually let's let's do the next closest two, which is Literus and Cologne. So out of those names, five are listed for OBX. So OBX is definitely due in for some good contact offense, it looks like. Uh, New York has two of the names, and then uh, San Antonio is kind of out in a lonely island there. Um, Akuna Matata looks like he's he, he's within striking distance, but um, they would need kind of like that OOTP, I'm going to buff you this season kind of boost to uh, really get in there. Um, home run leaders, it's looking like. Uh, and Shu and Matata are going to be probably your, your best bets to crank as many, uh, dingers as you would hope. RBIs, Shu is leading the way with a cool 90. Uh, Rusty Kuntz is actually got slated for 87 and then it drops right off. Um, there's only three batters who are in the seventies with, uh, Cologne, Version Cannon and Drakenberg, all OBX, no surprise there, right? Obviously top teams are going to score more. Um, but it's, it's just kind of interesting. You only have one, two, three, four, five people slated to hit more than 70 RBIs. Um, kind of a balanced league, I guess, uh, for as far as offense goes. Um, and then our sluggers, no surprise. Um, it's Kuntz and Shu uh, leading the pack there. So I think, you know, kind of looking at this, uh, Linus Riverboat, he kind of has a lack of power in eye. Uh, has high contact, but a lack of the other two. So I think he'll be boomer bust, right? Yes, he is showing he's going to be high in average, but his build is kind of the one that screams to me like could totally, um, you know, perform less than what you would expect. 
but also could, you know, have an average which all of a sudden comes out to like 345 by season's end. Just those kind of builds seem to kind of do that. Um, but yeah, uh, to kind of include the other teams, I guess, here, there is a couple other names we've got on the list. Uh, Finn Reese for Buffalo. Looks like he's going to sneak into the top hitters here. Um, Boise, Bridget Westfall has got their name on the board. Um, not like a spectacular season, but I believe the Sim does have to kind of try and at least, you know, list one player from a team. So for Maui, it looks like uh, Mr. Philip Stein might sneak in there for them. Um, not a stellar stat line, but I mean, average. Um, for Vancouver, we have uh, Shittermy Lodge. So that's an interesting one for me. Uh, now we're looking at Sack Lodge for me. Um, my one single sim, he had an insane result. Like something crazy. Like he came out to like, it was like seven, six war. So, you know, I, I would keep an eye on him, right? Catchers kind of have that innate, like, Hey, I'm going to get the boost for war here. So, you know, maybe he gets that kind of lucky little boost for himself. Um, but yeah, so that's legends. Let's, uh, let's move on to the pitchers, the legends, you know, kind of see what we got. So I always do the first one. I know it's not a great stat to sort by, um, but it does kind of give you a good idea of like the kind of the performance that these people are going to do. So for pitchers, uh, leading the way, it looks like it's Mr. Matthew Paul, um, relief pitcher that, uh, it just, yeah, like he, he's been so incredibly consistent that to, um, you know, doubt that he's going to do this again, even with regression sticking in is, you know, kind of foolish at this point. Uh, Boise definitely got a gem with him. And, um, you know, I know I've been kind of a proprietor to say that as, um, you know, having a reliever that can tie up so much cap for someone who's only going to play limited amount of time, it can be silly and stuff. And I mean, really it, it is, it's, it's tough to swallow that cap. Um, but I mean, if you're willing to stick with, uh, you know, a player like they have with Paul, I mean, you're going to be rewarded in the long run. And, um, you know, what? I'm just, oh, he's slated to pitch 160 innings with 40 stamina. He still marked as a closer. Did he switch to starter? I got to check that real quick. Cause if not, like that's insane though. There was a great article. Are you still listed as a, yeah, he's still listed as an RP. Oh, it's just going to beat the minutes up, I guess. Um, but there was a great article um, out recently. I, uh, I wish I knew the name because read so many. Um, it was breaking down kind of uh, the effect of pitcher control um, as well as uh, batter eye and then also showing the effect of stamina. And really the sad thing is, is I believe anything over 40 stamina, like we found out with the old um, reliever archetype that we had to kind of scrap, is that... It seems to have no effect. Um, I think stamina helps people recover quicker in between games. But as far as, you know, oh, I have 90 stamina, I can last forever in this game. I think it has zero effect on that uh, for what I've seen. Um, so it's it's no surprise that you have a relief pitcher here that's pitching like starting pitcher innings um, if he's literally used like that. So makes me feel better because I think I took him in fantasy. So happy about that one. Um yeah, he's leading the pack here. And then we've got a pair of San Antonio pitchers here with uh, Billy Greer and Espan Rodriguez Jr. Um, Greer is a starting pitcher. Um, oddly enough, ends up only pitching six more innings than Paul. 
uh, which is nuts. Um, and then another reliever and uh, Rodriguez Jr., who uh, it looks like they're the fireball archetype from what I can see from their stats, and uh, 40 stamina. So um, I know the balancing team has kind of reorganized, you know, assembled. So I'm hoping they take a look at that. Uh, that's and I mean that I'm the one to be the pitching archetype, so I will totally swallow that. It's my bad. Uh, I know flamethrowers struggle at the minors still a little bit in comparison to the other ones, um, but I think that 40 stamina still kind of breaks them a bit. Um, I'm not, it may not be just them. I think our understanding of stamina for the league kind of has to change a bit because um, I don't think it kind of means what we always thought it did. Um, like th that's the great thing about these articles is I've logged like probably over 500 more hours, which I'm sure is like so small compared to most people, but that's just PBE stuff alone uh, and out of the park. And there's still stuff that guys are posting that I'm learning. Um, so it's these guys, these people doing this work is just great. But moving on, it looks like the Strikeout leaders here are going to be Paul, if he's used in the capacity that the Sim thinks he is. Then you need to calm down, which still is absolutely amazing name. I'm pretty sure there's a clip of me somewhere on stream where I think I, I think maybe a bot was named that for the Swift Steeds at some point, and then Beaver actually used it. And when I finally sounded it out and then saw what it was, I'm pretty sure I just like was dying laughing for like a good ten seconds, like absolutely great i prefer like the clever names like that where it's like a play on words and it's not having to be like you know dirty at times so again thumbs up beer that's such a great name um but i mean really we're dominated by high tb pitchers um a lot of obx pitchers near the top the one thing that's actually um a little bit surprising i guess for me is there's some Providence pitchers, uh, you know, present there. They're not going to blow you away with their numbers this season. Um, like, there's nothing inherently insane about what I think they'll do, but it'll just be good to see someone populating the list that isn't part of those top four teams, which if you look at the generated list, it's literally the usual suspects that I list, right? Boise, San Antonio... New York and OBX, but uh, yeah, there's uh, there's some interesting things that uh, could happen there. Um, I'm hoping that um, you know maybe maybe we see something kind of tweaked with the relievers there. Um, but it's it's hard because I think with the current cap situation, to try to expect teams to carry more than four or five relievers, it's hard to do with the cap system. Um, there's going to be constant cutting of people, and it's that's not going to feel great as a reliever if you're having to bounce from team to team to team. I know what happens a lot in the major leagues. Um, like, I, I swear the Blue Jays' bullpen is different, like, every three, four weeks for me. So, I mean, I guess you could say it's kind of expected playing that role, but, um, yeah, I, the cap situation doesn't allow you to keep high-end relievers um, and swallow that cap hit unless you've set up your contracts perfectly. But with the cap changing, feels like every three, four seasons, it's hard to set your team up, right? Because, for example, is, you know, I know I'm part of the team 
Um, so you might say kind of homer glasses, but I still still sets a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth that uh, Nashville had been doing their time building the team up according to the current cap structure and situation. And you can say, well, they had a season to deal with it. Yeah, but if you look at the cap, the cap isn't – you can't just handle a cap in a season, right? You, If you're using your team as a rebuild, you can totally shed salary and do everything like within a season. But if you're trying to build a contender, you have to try and line up your contracts perfectly to try and keep as much as that core together without losing pieces. And Nashville was using the old um, mindset for the cap to build their team. And then when all of a sudden it got – you know, axed, they got, and it got caught with their pants down a bit, which I don't blame on the GMs at all. Like they were building like the other teams were the, the death valleys and stuff like that. And more or less took them out of the knees. So obviously it's been scramble mode for them. And some of these other teams were kind of in that perfect situation where they could kind of, you know, tweak things more than have to do anything. So, um, you know, that doesn't help when the cap is constantly in flux and changing. Uh, I'm not saying to keep always increasing it. Uh, it's just that I think the current league climate is really kind of anti-reliever, like high-end reliever, for letting them stay on a contender because, you know, it's it's hard as a contender. Like, maybe you could swallow having one of them on a fairly high contract, but $10 million in our cap situation on one reliever Um that's a steep price to pay when, you know, yeah, they come in and pitch two innings now and again, but I mean, that 10 million could be used for a, you know, second baseman who's playing all nine innings all the time. So I think that that kind of needs to maybe be looked at and addressed there for that kind of situation. But anyways, we'll, we'll move on here. Next is the Thunderdome. Um, so, this is like the new West, in my opinion, to a degree. Um, we did have a bit of moving and shaking. Um, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to rag on them too much, but Sarasota's approach for me is super confusing. Um, they kept spending all their assets, their draft capital, and didn't do much. Then all of a sudden last year they went for it. It's kind of like, uh, the situation where you have a GM that keeps making these insane signings, like if you watch hockey, Ken Holland right now for my Oilers, and they start using the mentality, you know, if the team's not performing, going, well, it's the next GM's problem. So they make these moves that are just like, I want to try to do this while I'm here, but whatever, I'm gone soon. And so they spent all their capital and they kept taking penalties for really errors that you shouldn't be making as a GM. And so now the team has had, someone did a summary and it was like the last seven seasons they've had like maybe two first rounders, maybe three, but I think the third one just like busted completely. So the team is hurting. Um, They have hardly any farm system, whether they want to argue that they do or not. I really don't think they do have much of anything to sing about. They burnt everything for last year and then obviously didn't win. So now the team is, you know, lined up for a, at least two to three season rebuild if everything goes perfectly for them. Um, I'm not going to complain because it finally makes the uh, the Champions East kind of a little more level with having, you know, what's lined up to be three decent teams um, compiled in with at least one kind of semi-rebuilder. Um, 
it's no surprise if you've run Sims and you saw the way last season went, the Champions West is still an absolute feeding fest. Uh, New Orleans has a pretty much free walk, you know, into the postseason again this year because that division is just going to be an absolute, you know, shit show as far as, you know, what they can kind of do with it. Um, and, I mean, part of that is the park factors. Um, more and more as things have gone, I would love to see them regular, like the park factors, allow teams to adjust them to the integers that you want, right? Still have them be able to adjust it to 900 and 1100, but we really need to stop this lefty-righty stuff. Uh, just make it universal. Either make it a hitter's park or a pitcher's park um, because... You know, Death Valley and San Antonio always did it with lefty-righty, and now a bunch of other teams are doing that. Like, there's, I swear there's only two teams out of all the teams that has, like, a semi-balanced approach. Everyone else is leaning to one side, and it's kind of it's kind of crappy when you have a team that, um, you know, you want to freely draft players and let them bat whatever said they want. But, you know, if your park is lined up to be specifically for some kind of handedness then you know you're 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 pretty yeah you're playing the cards against it and and you're forcing anyone that's drafted to your team to essentially um you know kind of get with the program or or get off the bus so um but new orleans has a perfect situation there's a lot there's a lot of lefty leaning teams i believe between the, all the divisions um, so I think we're going to have a perfect storm again for Mr. Uh, Beauregard, who I think is slated to have another insane season. Um, last year was only the start, um, at least for probably the next one or two seasons. So the way Anchor works, uh, the service I'm recording on, it only does every 30 minutes. So this one's going to run out. So we're going to stop here and I'll continue. All right. So we're back with the second half of this as we continue to go over the Champions Conference. Uh, so let's start with the Champions East. Um, to no one's surprise, going to be the Thunderdome again. Um, the thing that's, it's again, funny, is when you run single Sims, you get some interesting results. I think, uh, you know, barring I have some time here for this hour, I'm going to try and run a single Sim here uh, while we're going for this and just kind of go over to show you kind of how crazy things can go sometimes. But... Uh, as it kind of has it slated, the Demons are, on average, slated to win the Champions East with a nice 69 wins. Uh, Apex are right behind them with 68 wins. Uh, Nashville, 62. And Sarasota, uh, like we discussed, has kind of fallen off a cliff as they are down to 42. Um, I have seen Nashville win the division. Um, so... Yes, they're seven behind Detroit, but it just kind of gives you an idea that even though on average they're seven behind, um, I've seen Nashville win 67 games, I believe, and then they've won div the division. So, you know, up to five difference there. I believe last season I had them slated to average about 62 wins as well, and they finished with 58, right? So you, you see the, the plus minus for the win column there. The... Other thing, obviously, to keep in mind is, you know, trades will happen at the, you know, at or before the trade deadline. Um, I think teams are getting a little more, um, I guess, shy about doing them. Because unless you're really in it, um, to kind of give up assets nowadays with how tight the cap is, it's really hard for teams to swallow the fact of uh, really doing that. 
um, to, to give up those picks when you're trying to be so cap controlled um, and teams have to be willing to swallow salary a lot of the time as well, which you have to be careful with because if you swallow too much and then, you know, two seasons, you're, your players all come up for contract or there's a big free agent you want. I mean, you could easily handcuff yourself there in the future. Um, but looking, you know, kind of at the other stats here, uh, this isn't a very offensive um, division. Um, Sarasota is still going to put up 475 runs by the look of it, which is better than half the teams in the Legends uh, Conference alone. Um, but the rest of the teams in the division – um, your high point is Detroit with 564, um, and then your lowest is 531 out of those three teams, which is the Apex. So all the teams, I would say, are very offensively comparable between uh, the Demons, Apex, and Stars. Your biggest difference you're going to see is uh, the Demons love running the base path. Uh, 262 steals. Uh, Nashville actually has the lowest amount with 118. Uh, so you can see a huge difference there. Obviously, it means more caught stealing as well for Detroit, but um, as long as you're stealing, I believe it's at 78% success rate, it is a positive effect on the game. Uh, your biggest difference here is going to be runs against. Um, oh, wow. So, sorry for the pause. Um, just kind of looking at it. So, you look at the Legends, like their best defensive team on average looks like it's a sloss with 420 runs against um i mean this is why it's the thunderdome the champions east um apex have a 379 runs against uh detroit just squeaks under 400 with 399 and the stars are even 447 so like we have a lot of really great defensive teams um sarasota comes in at 628 not great um, in comparison, but we kind of knew that going into the season that they were going to dip a bit. Um, so really, I mean, the focus here is again, like Nashville seems like they have the offense to keep up with these teams, but they're lacking in defense where they lack in defense. Uh, maybe it has to do with the pitching, honestly. Um, their ERA isn't terrible. It's 3.92, but the other two teams are 3.28 and 3.46. Mind you, the Apex have a very pitcher-friendly park. Um, that's why, I mean, when we get to the batting, they don't have a lot of, like, really big standout offensive uh, bats um, because their focus is on defense and pitching. Um, but, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think, like, Nashville. So... My player now is, I think, 88 rating at first, which we all know how easy it is to get defense for up for that. Uh, Thomas Rose and Foe are like elite levels in the middle of the field, uh, unless Rose has really changed his build, which I don't think he has. Um, third, it's hard to get your defensive rating up. Like, it's actually kind of insane if you've actually went through and, and try to work out how much range and arm you would need to be think it's like over 80 at third like you would have like so little to spend on on uh, offense like to be like highly ootp rated at third you would have to build like a magician's shortstop like almost it's, it's kind of insane um but even the outfield i, I guess we're a little a little weak because we have the younger player out there um in janaco um but i mean center field and right field we, sh we should be 
more than fine. So maybe it's just a, a fact that we do have a little more offensive leading stats um, as to why runs against is a little high. But I mean, our number four pitcher is young as well. So um, I don't think bullpen would have much influence. But again, I know Nashville has a weaker bullpen this year. But uh, regardless, it's it's only fifty runs really in, in comparison to you know, the next closest, which is Detroit. But I mean, 50 games, even our 50 runs split up against 108 games. I mean, that's still quite a bit, uh, you know, you're adding for average for allowed runs per game. So um, I think Nashville will be make or break depending on how their offense and defense pan out. If their offense struggles and their defense stays as average is suggesting, they're definitely going to struggle because, um, you know, they're going to be, they're going to be towing that line so close in a division that's just so tight. So I would say Detroit or Apex probably will finish on the top of this division. Um, the Apex are weird. Sometimes they sim really well. Other times it's really bad. I think because they play it so defensively that um, if a team kind of gets that offensive hot boost when they're playing like a couple series against them, they kind of get burned by it. Um, I don't know. I'm not really on, on either boat. Like I think as a team that's building up, you're better to take a way more defensive approach. Um, because you'd rather just keep the games low scoring and try and keep it close competitive. Um, and that's way more like easy to do with TPE is to have a better defensive player rather than trying to worry about offense. There's just too many categories to worry about for offense that, um, to try and focus on that out the gate versus your defense is it's almost counterintuitive, right? Um, I'm not saying don't spend anything on offense, but I mean, if a team was going full rebuild, you know, and I was in a GM role, I would be like, okay, guys, your first two seasons, just make sure that we get to like, you know, say 80 rating or, you know, good, a good uh, click at kind of defense first before we worry about offense because the offense is more of a slow build anyways. Um, but yeah, I, I think it'll come down between the, the demons and apex. Um, the stars, they're kind of in a weird spot because they're partially growing, partially regressing. I think Detroit's kind of in that same boat apex. I haven't really looked at the roster like intensively. I think their core is around the same age as Nashville's maybe a little bit younger. Um, so there might be still some room to grow there for them. So it's it's a tough one, man. Like that's it's such a a dogfight of a division that really anyone can go anywhere. Um, I think the only guarantee with this division is Sarasota is going to finish last. Um, and I'm not trying to like pile on Sarasota and stuff like that. It's just kind of the reality of the situation that um, no matter how much OOTP decides to give them a random boost, they're not within uh, striking distance of of the playoffs at all. Um, yeah, so we move on to the West Division. This one will be a quick one because we're not going to have much change from last season. Um, the Scorpions and Toros, I feel like the Scorpions made almost more positive moves than negatives as far as progressing forward, right? And that's not to say, like, you know, if they were to trade some older players, that's a negative move, right? I just mean in that, you know, you trade away TP and you replace it with lesser TP, like that. that's a negative impact on your team's record. Um, not necessarily for team longevity and the way the team's built. 
But uh, with that said, um, I, I felt like they made more progress. I know they lost Orem, which hurts. Uh, but that team is kind of in that transition phase of kind of regrowing. So, um, unfortunately for them, the Toros are kind of in the same boat. Um, there's a six-win difference average between the Scorpions and the Toros. So, I could see the Toros potentially overtaking them um, and finishing second in the division. But, I mean, neither team is going to come close to the playoffs. The, your, your four playoff teams are pretty locked in again. It's going to be the Demons, Apex, Stars, and Rougarous. Um, So, unfortunately, there's going to be no playoff aspirations for them, I, I don't think. the Again, the averages do ebb and flow up and down a bit. But, I mean, Death Valley is averaging, uh, what's that, 16 less wins than the Stars. I don't think it'll cover that spread, right? I mean, Toros are 22 less than the Stars. So, um, I've never seen it gone that crazy. Uh, but, yeah. Rougarous are going to run away with the division. Um, I've seen some of the Sims for their run differential, and it's disgusting. Uh, most of the really good teams have about 150 runs between them as far as runs for, runs against. The Rougarous are slated to put up 300-plus again. Um, just looking at it right now, they're, they're just five runs short of 700 for offense. They're the only team that's really that close. Outer Banks is semi-close at you know 632. But, I mean, it's still almost no contest. Um, Throwing the fact, too, that New Orleans is slated to steal the most bases. At, they're the only team over 300. Um, the only team that's even close to them is Detroit at 262. But the runs against, 392. Okay, not the best defensive in the league. Okay, that's still apex. But your sub-400 runs against and almost 704, yeah, that's, that's a little gross. Um, they're going to walk almost no one at 314. Um, I did kind of forget to cover that. Uh, Apex again, least walks in the league, 274. Just disgusting when you look at other teams who are walking, you know, almost 500. Um, but yeah, the, the Rougarous are the complete package by the looks of the stats here. Um, but the main thing is, is because you play your interdivision teams so much, I mean, they're just going to be feasting all season. Um, I think Death Valley will steal some games from them because both teams generally are lefty-leaning. But, I mean, the Sea Serpents are... They're sunk. Um, they're, they're a 30-win team here. Um, you could have a wild sim where maybe the Toros drop heavily. But, I mean, again, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, the Sea Serpents have what is slated to be the worst offense in the league. And they don't have the worst defense. That is reserved by the Surge. Um, so the, it looks like they're kind of taking maybe the approach that I suggested. I have, I'd have to dig in and really look at them to see. But, um, yeah, they, they look like they're, they're going to struggle here. Uh, Rougarous, they've averaged on my single season Sims about 80 wins. It says 78 here, um, but... They always seem to hit 80. Um, and Scorpions, Toros are in transition. Sea Serpents are still trying to get the engine running and get some steam here. So that, this division is pretty much on lock. Looking at some of the top hitters and pitchers that were generated, uh, no surprise here. Uh, Gustav Beauregard is, again, slated for an insane season. Um, 
averaging 86 stolen bases, which is disgusting. Um, I had a single season sim where he put up 110. Like, that's insane. Um, Red Arrow is, you know, within shot for stolen bases, 73, but uh, just does not, you know, generate the same stat line. Um, it really kind of, there's a sizable gap. Thomas Rose on Nashville has, you know, had a big breakout season last season, and I think he's slated for another really good one. Really is comparatively the same player, like almost statistic-wise. Um, he actually plays uh, a position which kind of lends a little more war to him um, on average. But, I mean, it's just, it's still not comparable. Like, Bogard's slated to hit four more home runs. He's going to get, you know, 10-plus more RBIs and somehow is going to steal an extra 46 bases over Thomas Rose. Um, I'd have to really look at the stealing difference here, like for stealing and speed and stuff, but that's insane. Like, that's, that's what is that, 36 extra stolen bases? That's nuts. Absolutely nuts. Um, only two players slated to hit over 300 on average, Beauregard and Rose. Um, the other really close one here is Valor, um, but it's actually kind of insane. So... If we look at the top, what is this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven batters for slated average, five are New Orleans. So you got Beauregard, Valor, Nas Hamad, Bonanza, Stefano Jr. Your other two are Rose and Munson, both from Nashville. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's an absolute insane lineup there for for New Orleans. Um, I had, again, a, a sim where Valor absolutely went nuts. So I wouldn't be surprised if, for whatever reason, Beauregard doesn't win MVP again. Uh, Vidal Valor might, you know, squeak in there. They just sim so well. It's insane how well that they sim. Um, so, yeah, the, they, they have stacked the cards again for them. Um, the one really, you know, I guess it's not surprising, but it's cool to see is um, Elliot Alderson, or Alderson, however you want to pronounce it, for Death Valley. Uh, they're actually right up there. I think they're going to have a very good season. Um, they're slated to hit 27 dingers. Um, they're not going to get a lot of RBI because obviously, you know, less potent offense. It's harder when there's people not getting on base in front of you to put up the RBIs. But I mean, they're looking to have like a great stat line for, for Death Valley. So, so definitely keep an eye on them. Uh, Red Arrow will be consistent again for Sarasota, I believe. Um, there's a couple indie players here. Again, these people are kind of like sub 270, you know, mid 300s for OBP. Um, but we have Jimbo Slice kicking on there. Um, was it Johnny Tsunami's there for Indy? For Detroit, we've got Nicholson Dimes. Um, it's the list is. There's a lot of NO. <laughs> like, no, you're not allowed on here except for us, um, for for New Orleans. Um, and there's quite a few national names, actually, as well. So, you know, a big mix there. Looking over the pitchers, uh, searching by the ERA, and it is crazily different from the other conference. So our best ERA, on average, is Matthew Paul, 3.21. That's pretty good for a relief pitcher pitching 168 innings. We take a quick look at Indy. Now, currently for what he's set up, right? So I used AI setup 
to to do the starters in the bullpen. Um, I didn't go custom to everything, so this stuff could wildly change, right? Um, I know Indy does some weird stuff sometimes in spring training, but I mean, I did get the AI to kind of reset this. But we have Eric Bolanos here with a 2.29 ERA, uh, 29 saves. So it's something you don't see often is um, closers. Like dedicated closers really aren't a thing in the PBE. Um, they used to be a huge thing. I mean, I think our all-time leader for saves in a season is like, I swear it's Alex Ovechkin, which is like from season three, and they have like 40. I haven't seen anyone get close to 40 in forever. Um, because generally, if you have a relief pitcher who's really good, they're used in the stopper role to get as many innings out of them as possible. But in this case, it looks like Bolanos is being used as a closer, which is kind of neat to see, um, hence why they only have 55 innings. But super low ERA, and their K per nine is 15.22, which obviously is a landslide you know, lead for everyone. Um, I think it'd be cool to see them use like an actual player as a closer if that's what they want to do. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that'd be like something you definitely have to give, have to give consideration to, um, you know, when you go to vote for reliever, reliever of the year is okay. You know, I know they're not in the same division, but Matthew Paul has all these, you know, heavily stacked up numbers, but I mean, Bolanos is technically the only real closer. And if he has a really great stat line, it doesn't matter if he didn't pitch as many innings. I mean, when he was in, he was lights out, right? So hopefully people use that as consideration. No surprise here. Your next two are indie pitchers, uh, Troen Nohans and Doug Dangley are lined up. Um, Dangley just above the three uh, mark for ERA, 3.04, but uh, Nohans is slated to be 2.72 on average. Um, they don't have a lot of big strikeout pitchers by the look of it. Um, you know, it's 130 strikeouts versus, you know, 37 walks, but I mean, that team's about you know, limiting the offense uh, of, of the batters more than they are kind of about punching people out. With strikes, that is. Um, next up, we got McDougal and El Charo random, rounding out your top five. If we expand to seven like we did batters, uh, no surprise, Shifty Laguse is in there for Indy. So they occupy four of the top seven spots. So... That's a quick look at what the averages say. Uh, but for fun here, well, I've got everyone on this podcast. Uh, why don't we run a single season sim and see where we end up? So we'll run this really quickly. We'll let it do its thing as it thinks here. Uh, wow. Apex got off to a hot start. They were like, it looked like they were 15 and one, but now they're kind of evening out more. Outer Banks leading their division, 33 wins, 11 losses. New Orleans, first team to hit 40 wins, 42 wins at what looks like the All-Star break. Uh, a couple other teams close, but not quite. Uh, Sloss having a very good sim so far, 37 and 17. Boise, uh, after saying what I said, they're struggling here is... Uh, they all, here they go. Bit of a winning streak. They're starting to catch up, but Sloss are running away with the division by the looks of it. We're getting the E's and Z's popping up here. All right. 
now because it's weird. Even though you say end of season, it waits till the last game to stop. Let's have a look. So, for the single season sim. Now, if you've been listening carefully, we talked about averages, right? And how they play out. And I think I was like, oh, there's no way San Antonio is going to win. Well, apparently I was wrong. As they average, or sorry, not average. Um, they finished 11 games above expected uh, over 100 season sim. 73 wins is what the Sloths end up at here um, as they top the division and the conference. Uh, Boise, after what looked like a slow start, did pick up as they pile on 65 wins. Vancouver surprisingly put up 58. Um, didn't make the playoffs, but uh, eight games over 500. And actually, uh, insane. See, this This is kind of the part where you, you, you learn stuff. It's always cool to see this stuff, right? Is, is You know, you're like, oh, I don't see them going above 10 games above their, their expected average. Well, the Sloths debunked that as they put up 11 above what, you know, was average for them. And the Makos spectacularly ended up only winning 16 games despite averaging, I think, 32 wins. So it just shows you how kind of like off the wall this stuff can go. Um, but yeah, Aviators clinch their division at least with one win over New York. So your four teams out of the Legends are Aviators, Voyagers, Sloths, and Raptors. Um, wow, Providence actually finished about 500 well. 55 wins, 53 losses. Well, we'll switch over to the champions here. Uh, Detroit actually ran away with the division. Uh, 77 wins. Uh, Indy, 68. Nashville, 67. So I did say I'd seen Nashville win the division with 67 wins, but obviously wasn't enough. Sarasota only is able to churn out 34. New Orleans, uh, they've actually been pretty close. I think they're one of the teams that I, I don't, often see deviate too much from what their average is so we said 78 79 is what they end up here death valley 43 cancun 38 and then last but not least is seattle with 27 so your top four and champions are again the four that i believe are locks so we went eight for eight for what we expected here um, as far as that goes so we'll have a quick look at statistics. So we'll look at Legends Conference first. And your winner of the average is actually Mike Litteris for OBX. Uh, Linus Riverboat did finish second with 326, and then it tapers off with San Antonio after at 305. Um, San Antonio actually hits the most home runs with 28. Um, wow, it's a three... Uh, three run there at the top for San Antonio with uh, Antonio, Abbott, and Matata as your 1-2-3, uh, 28, 27, 26 home runs. Uh, Johnny Pluto for Boise, actually, most RBIs, 105. Mr. Shu with 90 right after him. OBP leader is Andrew Oram, surprisingly. Uh, slugging, San Antonio, 586. OPS, San Antonio, 985. And your winner for war, no, I'm not, this isn't broken, San Antonio, 6-4 war with uh, 
Parker Biochapo with uh, 5.3. So, pretty cool there. Pitching leaders, what do I got? I have four minutes. We can run through this. Pitching leaders, Reginald Sivert, uh, 2.73 ERA leads the way with a pair of stand... Or, <laughs> that's tripping me up. God damn it, Joe. San Antonio, San Antonio. San Antonio, uh, Johnson and Windsor uh, are your next two for that. Uh, your biggest L is Mr. Kyle Salchicha for Maui with 20 losses. That's a yikes. Um, McDonald on OBX actually with 32 saves. I just finished saying that. It's weird not having a dedicated closer, but I guess I did get the AI to pick, so they probably set one up. So that's why it kind of you know panned out the way it does. I doubt we'll see that amount of saves for really too many players. Um, oddly enough, he went 0-6, so lost six games but still saved 32. Uh, leader for War is Windsor with Rainier after. It's actually a pretty piled race at War. Um, yeah, so we'll look. What else? Walker Cato, Ks per walks, 5.7. Um, you know, no surprise there. He's a control pitcher, so he's able to... Uh, Really kind of limit those as he as he works on it. And Matthew Paul is our leader for Ks per nine with 12.2. ERA plus is A. Johnson for San Antonio. I guess I, that's another one I like is WRC for batters. Where are we at for that? OPS plus Tom Shue leading the, the pack with 165. And does it show it here? No, I guess I'd have to go in individuals. Champions Conference. How are we doing for time? Okay, we got to go. Uh, Thomas Rose leads the pack 346 as he has a rather nice breakout season for himself here. Next closest is Cade Munson on Nashville, 322. Uh, home runs. Wow, I talked about I feel like we don't get enough 30 run home, 30 home run hitters. Videl Valor, 38 home runs. Uh, right behind them is Nas Hamad with... 37. Uh, I'm not sure if a lot of people picked Hamad for fantasy, so there's a sleeper pick for you if you still, uh, you know, are still going there. Videl Valor, 131 R RBIs. So again, I said that they've had some pretty crazy sims, so there's an example. Cade Munson surprisingly leads us for OBP, uh, well ahead of everyone, 444. Next closest is 414. Uh, Rose leads us with War, actually tying Nasamad at 7. Uh, there's Beauregard there, 5.6, having a down season. Quick look at the pitchers. Throwing no hands, 2.05 ERA. That is nuts. Your next closest is Bobby Daring on Detroit at 2.74. Uh, biggest loser of the day, unfortunately, is Greg Maddox Jr. on Seattle, 17 losses. Dirk Diglett. Gets 29 saves. Aiden McDougal leads the war race at 5.8. ERA plus, Troen Nohans has a 216 ERA plus season. That is nuts. Next closest is Bobby Daring, 160. Um, if they're listening to this, I'm sure they're excited to hear that. So yeah, there's a quick preview of everything. Um, hopefully it wasn't too boring, but it's... You know, this is kind of an outlook of what we kind of expect, you know, both on averages for what we see for teams and seasons and also kind of to, to show you that, you know, I explained how I think people look to average out 
And then obviously we do a single season sim and all of a sudden it just completely goes off the wall sometimes. So um, only read as much as you can in averages, but don't rely on them. Uh, With that, we'll end this episode and hopefully I'll see you guys again soon.